Welcome to National Parks Traveler, where we explore the national parks and the issues that involve them. Grand Canyon National Park is breathtaking. Standing on the rim, either the north or the south, and gazing into that big colorful maw of geology billions of years old can be transformative or daunting. For some, that first glance convinces them they need to either hike all the way down to the Colorado River or, better yet, join a river trip for two weeks to soak in the significance of this place. But as glorious as Grand Canyon National Park is, the National Park faces a number of significant issues. This is Kurt Repencheck, a National Parks traveler. Along with Special Projects Editor Patrick Cohn and Jess Repencheck, Traveler's Sound Recording Engineer, I traveled to the park in late April to get a better sense of some of the issues that park managers are grappling with and which could alter, possibly significantly, how we experience the canyon. In the following podcast, I'll provide you with a glimpse of those issues and a prelude to some of the in-depth coverage of Grand Canyon National Park the traveler is working on. Whether it be strategy, business planning, change management, board development, executive search, or diversity planning, Potrero Group is here to help. They mix a depth of experience in the parks and land space with a breadth of best practices from other industries. For more information or to schedule a preliminary conversation, go to potrerogroup.com, P-O-T-R-E-R-O group.com. Western National Parks Association is a nonprofit education partner of the National Park Service. WNPA supports parks across the West, developing products, services, and programs that enhance the visitor experience, understanding, and appreciation of national parks. Learn more at WNPA.org. The Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation is the primary nonprofit fundraising partner for the Blue Ridge Parkway. It is made up of people who have a deep love for this majestic road and want to ensure that its natural beauty and the experiences it offers endure for generations to come. Show your appreciation at brpfoundation.org. Acadia National Park is one of the 10 most popular national parks in the United States. It's also one of the smallest and most vulnerable. That's why Friends of Acadia exists. Friends of Acadia is an independent organization of passionate people, inspiring those who love this magnificent park to make a real and lasting difference for Acadia. You can make a difference at friendsofacadia.org. The first time I visited Grand Canyon, while working on that infamous book, National Parks for Dummies, I couldn't wait to hike to the canyon's basement and stand on the banks of the Colorado River and visit Phantom Ranch. That was back in the 1990s, back when we weren't so worried about climate change, invasive species, and development pushing on the park. During my most recent visit, those issues were foremost in my mind, and I raised some of them with Tucson Mayor Clorinda Vale, Grand Canyon Superintendent Ed Keeble, Jan Balsam, who is Chief of External Affairs and Communications for the park, and two scientists heading out on a river trip through the canyon. Before meeting with park officials, I caught up with Mayor Vale to learn more about the development project an Italian company, Stilo, has been pushing for since the late 1980s. One of the big issues that the, the town is facing and which Grand Canyon National Park is facing 
is a proposal to put in a rather large development. What exactly does it call for, Clorinda? It calls for it two different parcels in Tucson, one 195 acres and the, 100 and the other one is 160 that were rezoned in 2011. And depending upon the entity that you talk to in the proposal, it's anywhere from about 3 million square foot of, of retail and anywhere from one to 5,000 hotel rooms. And I just say that because they've talked about phasing. Mm -hmm. And so it really isn't known as to what could be built up to. Those are kind of the maximums. And right now the, the proposal is before the Forest Service, right? It is, it's to the Forest Service for the second time with regards to the easements to get to, to, all of the, to both of those parcels and including the one that we're standing on now, which is called 10X. A project of that size requires a lot of water something that isn't easily obtained in northern Arizona. I think water is always the biggest topic of any discussion in our region. And me personally, um, just as an individual and not speaking on behalf of the town council, but I'm really interested in any other type of management areas that we could get. There's been active management areas talk in our state legislature, lots of different you know, talks over the years, but we're all experiencing how do we all know we're going to provide our communities water mm -hmm. for hundreds of years to come, not for 10 years down the road, but for long term. And a lot of the communities that I talk to are concerned with being able to do that because everyone just kind of gets to get their, kind of gets to make their own plan and do whatever they want. It's not really thought of as a more regional approach. Mm -hmm. And where we are here, we have to be really environmentally sensitive with regards to our water and so I'm happy that we have a magnifying glass on us and I'm happy with regards to water because what it does to the seeps and springs and for the Havasupai people and for our neighbors it's really important. It is an incredibly important topic to be discussing. And the day after meeting with Mayor Vale we sat down with Grand Canyon Superintendent Ed Keeble and Jan Balsam to discuss the range of issues the National Park is confronting. Ed, there's a lot of issues around running a national park of this fame and glory, and you get millions of visitors a year. And there's, I wouldn't say a million, but there's many issues that you have to deal with. And one that's got to be on your radar is this proposal down in Tucson, just south of the park, for a, a rather large development and what that could pose as a th possible threat. I mean, what can you tell us about the, the park's position on looking at that development? We are working with the Forest Service to provide what input we will provide. It's still early in the process, mm -hmm. so uh, we haven't given a formal determination on what we're going to do with that uh, issue or what formal position we're going to take on that issue. Frankly, we need more information, and uh, one of the pieces of information that I'm going to be interested in is uh, what are the impacts on water mm -hmm. uh, to the area, to the park. So far, as I've looked into the situation, there's not a lot of information about water uh, impacts for the proposal. Uh, so that's going to be a key source of information for me as I work with my science staff to uh, determine the impacts of uh, that proposal on the Grand Canyon and, and the Colorado River Basin. Now, you mentioned water, of course, is a, a critical issue. I mean, we were going through this long running drought um, climate change is affecting weather patterns. We haven't seen monsoons for a couple years at least. Uh, the snowpack in the Colorado uh, Plateau, uh, the watershed is down. Lake Powell is down. I, I guess there's got to be a concern that if Stilo wants to drill some sort of well into the aquifers on the South Rim, 
what impact that'll have on the park's seeps and, and whatnot and the flows down into the park. Certainly, uh, th that's something that we'll be looking at. Uh, this park uh, has not fully funded uh, our science program. That's something I'm working on. Uh, we don't have a hydrologist in the park currently. Uh, I'm working on hiring one. Uh, but, you know, we have uh, all sorts of available uh, resources that I can lean on from the park service. Uh, and, uh, and we'll take a hard look at the impacts of climate change on the water supply here in the park. I also sat down with Jan Balsam, the Chief of External Affairs and External Communications at Grand Canyon National Park, to get her take on how climate change and invasive species are impacting the park. And Jan, a beautiful day in the park, but there's a lot of stuff going on that the general visitor probably doesn't know about. I mean, people come to the South Rim and the North Rim to stare down into that beautiful canyon, and if they're lucky enough, they might hike down to the river, the Colorado River, or if they're really lucky, they might ride a raft down 280-some miles of the Colorado River. And there's a lot of uh, concern about the health of the Colorado and how it's impacting the park. Um, we've had reduced snowpack in the, the watershed. We've had uh, invasive species. Monsoons haven't shown up. What's highest on your radar in terms of what to be concerned about? You know, I think with, when you look at Colorado River issues, they're complicated because of all of the things you're talking about. There's water availability, there's water sustainability, there's ecological integrity, um, and there's just the sure um, experience of the Colorado River for visitors. And you mentioned rafting down the Colorado River. You know, that's great, but if we don't have a healthy ecosystem, we're not going to be able to support recreational activities. So when you look at the issues on the Colorado, I mean, maintaining our endangered species is huge. We've spent years, and I personally have spent Boy, 30 years, over 30 years working on Colorado River issues, first as the archaeologist, then working on recreational issues, working on environmental impact statements for how Glen Canyon Dam is operated. And there's a complicated system um, that's put in place to make sure that all the voices are heard. But for us within the Park Service, we are responsible for maintaining the integrity of the natural and cultural resources and um, the visitor uses. So, but first, it's got to be the natural and cultural resources that this park was established for. So we spend a lot of time making sure that we're addressing endangered species issues, that the sandbars and beaches that support um, both ecological integrity, prehistoric human occupations down in the canyon, and uh, most recently, um, recreational beaches are maintained. And it's an incredible balance of interest. So when you talk about the Colorado River, I mean, along with its role in the environment, in the ecology of the, the park. It's also an economic lifeblood. You've got the, the blue ribbon trout fishery up at the, you know, the base of Glen Canyon Dam. You've got the, the river industry, the river running industry. All those could be in flux, no? Because of uh, invasive species or because of the, the narrowing. Uh... So the the Colorado River is the lifeblood of a lot of things. It's an economic lifeblood. It's also the lifeblood of the canyon. It's the, some of the tribes refer to it as the backbone as well of their lives. So it has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different communities. The economic pieces, you know, the water that's that run through Grand Canyon that allow for uh, recreational rafting are controlled through a series of um, dams and releases and compacts that says how much water is going to be coming through. So that's something that um, will continue as long as there is water in the basin. 
Listener and reader support make National Parks Traveler possible every day of the year. If you enjoy the Traveler's content, please consider a donation via nationalparkstraveler.org. Washington State is graced with three spectacular national parks, each different and special in their own unique ways. As the official nonprofit partner and the only philanthropic organization dedicated exclusively to supporting these parks through charitable contributions, Washington's National Park Fund has a mission to raise private support to deepen everyone's love for, understanding of, and experiences in Mount Rainier, North Cascades, and Olympic National Parks. Share your passion for these parks at WNPF.org. The Grand Teton National Park Foundation is a private, nonprofit organization that supports projects that protect and enhance Grand Teton National Park's cultural, historic, and natural resources. By funding initiatives that go beyond what the National Park Service could accomplish on its own, Foundation donors improve the visitor experience and provide benefits to the national park system for decades to come. You can see their successes at gtnpf.org. The North Cascades Institute has a large portfolio. It's an environmental learning center, training center, conference center, and leadership center, all set in the splendor of the North Cascades National Park Complex. Learn more at ncascades.org. Did you know our partner, Interior Federal Credit Union, serves members nationwide and in the American territories? They are part of a cooperative credit union network with 5,600 shared branches and 56,000 totally free ATMs nationwide. Many of the ATMs are located in common places like 7-Elevens, gas stations, and CVS. Need to perform an in-person transaction? Not to worry. Use the locator tool on their homepage, interiorfcu.org, to find the closest branch to you. Go in, let the teller know that you're a member of Interior Federal Credit Union, and they can look up your account to help you with your questions. It's simple, easy, and convenient. Before we got to the South Rim to meet with Superintendent Keeble and Jan Balsam, Patrick Cohn and I visited Lee's Ferry, the put-in for river trips heading down the Colorado and sat down with some members of a scientific trip heading out for two weeks for a monitoring project. Both Matt Kaplinski, a senior research associate at Northern Arizona University, and Keith Cole, who works for the U.S. Geological Survey, have been floating through the national park for decades. And over those decades, they've seen some changes in the river. One thing that we have determined through our surveys over the last 30 years is that the the sandbars, um, we started surveying the beaches in 1990, and we have annually and more frequently since then done that. And we find that the amount of sand stored on the sandbars is about the same or more than it was in 1990. So the sandbars are doing okay. But the fact that Kaplinski sees the sandbars as doing okay is actually not a entirely good thing for the Colorado River as it flows through the Grand Canyon. Sandbars should be moving back and forth, up and down the river, taking away from beaches and giving to beaches. One reason the sandbars appear to be okay is that water flows out of Lake Powell through Glen Canyon Dam and into the National Park have been reduced by climate change and the lack of snowpack in recent decades. 
those reduced flows lack the power to greatly rearrange sandbars in the Colorado River. The other factor in why those sandbars are about the same size or bigger than they were is because once the flows were restricted, vegetation has migrated and established down to lower elevations on the sandbars. And the big sandbars are covered in pretty dense riparian vegetation right now, which essentially locks in that part of the sandbar to being eroded by um, flows from the dam. After talking with Matt, I tracked down Keith Cole, who was leading the science team, to get his views on the river. He told me that change in the Colorado River through Grand Canyon National Park currently appears inevitable. That's the thing, is we expect it'll be the next generation's problem, and it really feels like it's coming fast, you know, yeah. within the next decade. Um, carbon dioxide is increasing, and it's at a huge level now that you know, we've never seen in human times, and it's just catching up. So, I mean, I think we'll see dramatic sea rises, we'll see huge storms, and we'll see continued droughts in the arid southwest. Well, we're gonna have to get used to lower flows, for one thing. Um, we're gonna have to get used to lower flows. It was only 20 years ago where the lake was full. So right. look where, now we're at 37% or something like that at Lake Powell. It's tremendous that you could lose that much volume of water in just two decades. Yeah. Um, it really is surprising. Unless flows ramp back up, something that doesn't look likely in the near term, changes to the flow of the Colorado River through Grand Canyon could force changes in river running operations, changes that could bring adverse economic impacts to those companies. That's a quick preview of the Grand Canyon stories we're working on at The Traveler. They're an example that, as beautiful and wondrous as the national park system is, it's also being weighed on by a wide range of issues, from growing visitation and climate change impacts to invasive species and an overall lack of resources in many cases for the National Park Service. In the weeks and months ahead, we'll bring you in-depth stories on these topics from the Grand Canyon with more input from the park superintendent and his staff, Tucson Mayor Vale, and the scientists monitoring the Colorado River. We'll also be bringing you articles and podcasts examining invasive species in the national park system, non-natives ranging from hogs and javelinas to pythons to tamarisk, Russian olive, and insects that are damaging to hemlocks and other tree species we've grown to love in Great Smoky Mountains National Park, Shenandoah, and along the Blue Ridge Parkway. The more we learn about ecosystem impacts on the parks, the more approaches to protecting these special places hopefully will arise. For The Traveler, this is Kurt Repencheck. See you in the parks. The composers and musicians at Orange Tree Productions have created a unique collection known as the National Park Series that has grown to include more than 30 CD titles. Composed against the backdrop of a park's sounds of nature, these musical scores will connect you with these beautiful places and take you there, at least in your mind. This collection is the number one selling National Park audio series in the world and provides the background music for National Park's Travelers podcast. Visit them at orangetreeproductions.com.
Editing and production work for the National Parks Traveler podcast is done by Splitbeard Productions. You can learn more about us at splitbeardproductions.com. National Parks Traveler is a 501c3 nonprofit media organization that provides daily editorial coverage of national parks and protected areas. Traveler's coverage is made possible by reader and listener donations. Visit us at nationalparkstraveler.org.